I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, a checks and balances approach to effectively managing precision employees, is once again being brought to you by Farmer's Edge. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make an effort to get it listed there as well. And by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. We're also counting down to the upcoming Dealership Mind Summit, August 1st and 2nd in Omaha, Nebraska. Mark your calendars to attend this dealer-only event with the theme of Roadmap to Mastering Equipment Remarketing. The summit will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit www.dealershipmindsummit.com for more information and updates. Thanks again to Farmer's Edge, proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Well, dealers who have been selling and servicing technology for any period of time understand how expectation problems, miscommunication, and burnout can erode morale of what needs to be a highly performing team. Turnover and inconsistency are factors that can crack the foundation of even the most stable precision business. Recruiting talent is only part of the equation. Precision managers are wise to set clear expectations at the outset. Establish an open line of communication with specialists by celebrating their successes, but also holding them accountable for their mistakes. Two precision farming managers from award-winning dealerships have continued to refine their strategies for successfully molding new precision hires into long-term employees. Heather Hardy, precision farming coordinator with H&R AgriPower, and Scott Meldrum, integrated solutions manager with Van Wall Equipment, have taken different but equally effective approaches to strengthening their respective precision departments. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, brought to you by Farmer's Edge, Heather and Scott share their approach to the soft side of managing precision specialists and offer advice for working on the business instead of battling precision blazes in constant firefighting mode. Thank you for this opportunity to speak and thanks Jack for thinking of me. A little bit about myself, I work for H&R and I have a team of eight precision specialists. I think one of the things that differentiates our operation from some of the others is the distance between all of our specialists. Um, we're in 13 locations in five states and we go from a variety of mainly corn and soybeans all the way to a grower that may have uh, as many as five different crops of corn, soybeans, cotton, peanuts, and rice on his farm when we get into our southernmost regions. So I've got a lot of precision specialists with 
many different talents. Um, one of the only things they have in common is the paperwork that they all have to do. So just a little bit of an overview. Um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about collaboration and our story of how we started collaborating as a department uh, a little more officially. We had a, a lot of unofficial collaboration, but um, we really created some um, formal processes and, and that translated into accountability. And um, through the past couple years, we've seen that also transition into performance. So for me, I didn't really have to put myself in the shoes of a new employee. As you can see, I'm a millennial and I was the new employee. And as the leader of the group, about day two, Nick and one of the ladies from accounting brought me a stack of invoices and said, uh, you're in charge of precision, right? Um, we don't know how to build this. We don't know if the precision specialist has billed the customer. We don't know if this is a valid invoice. We don't even know if we bought these pieces of machinery that we're being invoiced for. Can you help us? So I kind of started making a list. Part of it was so that I remembered what I did the day before because it was a trial by fire hose and there was a lot coming at me at once. But that list eventually transitioned into a training checklist that I'll talk about a little bit later on. But one of the things that I quickly identified was the need to remember there's general knowledge that new employees don't bring with them to the table. That general knowledge can be your operating system, that can be the paperwork that goes along with invoices. There's a whole list of things that you need to translate to your new employees very quickly. Uh, one of our goals was to create a culture of collaboration within the department. And if you're caught up figuring out how to do business, you're never gonna advance beyond that. It all led into that list of operations and processes that were either difficult, not straightforward, or didn't have um, some form of a standard operating procedure. As I got to know my team, I met with a lot of store managers and precision specialists in each of the locations. Uh, that then translated into a team meeting, but prior to that team meeting, one of the things I really heard from store managers was kind of after that meeting of the three of us, they would kind of pull me inside and say, Heather, I don't really have a problem. My customers are really happy. I don't know what this guy's doing. In the summer, I never see him. In the spring, his truck is out late at night. His time cards say he's working a million hours. And then uh, come December, he, he's traveling to all these meetings, but then he's sitting in the office. Can you help translate what my expectations should be of him? So we had a group of, of store managers that really didn't know what their specialists were supposed to be doing. In some instances, we had some new hires in stores that didn't have precision specialists, and they were going, ooh, what are we supposed to do with this guy? How am I supposed to train him? How am I supposed to teach him what he's supposed to do? Um, I'm a store manager, and I know the financials, and I know how the business is supposed to operate and make money, but at the end of the day, I don't know what precision is exactly supposed to be doing. So we had a team meeting. Uh, I forgot that part. One of the things is we had a set agenda, and I sent that agenda out to the company that had an, the people in the company that had an interest in precision from the very top to the precision specialists themselves and said, what do you want to talk about? What are your pain points? What are your issues? And then one of the things to notice that we did address some issues one-on-one -on -one at a store level 
that maybe were not necessarily conducive of a group discussion. So we kind of head, headed off any sore subjects that we had in the group. But one of the things is when we had an open floor for a discussion, we had a theme. And if the discussion took a turn or went down a rabbit trail that wasn't really on that theme and got tabled until later in the meeting or tabled in general until we felt we had enough information to have a discussion about where we needed to go. And very early on, we created the expectation that we were gonna have a productive conversation and not a gripe session. That there were a lot of things precision people felt they weren't being, they weren't getting credit, they weren't appreciated. There were, there were things we knew that were sore spots, but we really wanted to create the culture of let's get around the table, figure out what's going on, and figure out what we can do about it. One of our results, we found that our financial statements as a department were not getting out quickly. Uh, when they were getting out, we were missing pieces. The accounting department wasn't really purposely leaving things off the statement. They just didn't know they existed because no one had told them. Um, labor sales, for example, were not always accurate because the store manager, whoever else, had forgotten to tell the person pulling the reports on labor sales that this tech ID is a precision specialist. So we had some new hires whose labor wasn't being counted because we had a lack of communication. We had a couple issues to address. And then the new hires, I kind of went over that. Store managers didn't really know where to, what to do with the new guys. And in one instance, we discovered that when the customer pulled the trigger on a deal, it took 13 steps and six different employees to order the parts, receive them in, get them on a bill, turn them around to the customer, bill it through accounting, and close the deal so that it showed up on the precision statement. It was a mess. And as you can imagine, there were, there were a lot of errors. There were a lot of finger pointing of, well, so-and-so didn't do this, so I couldn't do my job. And it just was overwhelming from somebody that came in and, and said, well, we just need to bill the customer. It shouldn't be that difficult. So leaving the meeting, and I know it's been, I've heard it a couple of times already in the conference, having accountability when you walk out of a meeting, having somebody's name beside that line item that they're gonna do something about it when they walk out the doors. I took responsibility for the financial statement. Um, I took responsibility for communicating to the accounting department when we had a new hire that needed to be added to the labor list. I took accountability for taking the sales that weren't recognized and, and going to the accounting group and saying, okay, show me how you get to our financial statement so that I can show you the pieces that I think we're missing. One of my roles quickly became bridging the gap between the accounting department and our precision department. One of those results was that we ended up creating a piece of paper that comes out on a monthly basis that gives our store managers some talking points. It's the same format as the store managers received their whole store financials. So it was a piece that they were very comfortable with throughout the process. We did sit down one-on-one -on -one with a lot of stores and, and ironed out some, some issues and some pain points and we uh, reassured them that the numbers they were getting were accurate. In some instances, it took some extra reporting. It took some extra, okay, let's go through your labor sales and let's look at, okay, are you billing this correctly? Is this getting through the channels it needs to get through to end up on your financial statement 
Um, and it really gave the store managers something if, heaven forbid, they don't talk to their precision specialist but once a month. It at least gave them something to talk to them once a month about. It kind of opened the doors of communication um, because the store manager prides himself in being the business mind. It really gave them an opportunity to, to look at their specific precision operation and, and maybe find some holes or find some um, really great successes to celebrate and to to give a pat on the back to the precision guy that was the most profitable in the company in some cases. So for new hires, I develop a checklist, the list of things that you know I really wanted to remember so that I didn't forget in day three and day four turned into a checklist. One of the things that I quickly realized I needed, other than an office and a computer and a cell phone and all of those wonderful things was an intercompany phone list. I needed to know who to call when I did have a question. I think in some cases, when you're in an operation that's, that's our size, you never meet the people on the other end of the phone unless you go to a meeting, and that may be three or four months down the road after you've been hired. You don't meet the lady on the other end of the phone of the, of the accounting department, or you don't meet the guy that's giving you lease prices or finance deals. So we really needed to communicate who to call, who to talk to, and um, if at all possible, facilitate some face-to-face -face meetings as a new hire of, of just putting a face with a name. Uh, and that goes right hand in hand with getting the new hires the vendor information. Who do you call when you have a question about Ag Leader or Case IH or whoever it may be? Who, who do you pick up the phone and call? What email do you send? filing a support ticket. That was one thing early on, I had a vendor rep call me and say, hey, I've got one of your stores that's just really not, they're not utilizing our support system. They keep calling me, and I can't put in support tickets, so I'm not able to, to quantify your needs, and I'm not able to quantify your problems. I need you to have them to call support. Uh, so it was a piece of, okay, do we have the right information in the right people's hands to file those support cases? so they can be documented with the vendor. Writing up warranty work orders, um, I think that was an area that was also missing off of our financial statement just because the accounting department didn't realize they needed to segment out the precision warranty. But then at the same time, I found that we weren't filing warranty work orders because in some cases, some stores didn't know how to file them or didn't know what to do to get their time covered. Uh, someone else hit on the importance of filing for warranty. I'm a strong proponent of that and can show where we've seen labor growth that we would have given away because it was a brand new piece of machinery. It was a brand new display or a brand new receiver that we spent time on because it had a defect. And we had to work through that. So you've got to quantify that and get it in writing. This is the checklist. You can't read it. But my point of putting it up here is it's not anything fancy. We didn't sink tons of marketing dollars into developing this. It's on an Excel sheet. I can change it tomorrow if I need to. So one of the things that we've continued to do is we continue to meet as a department every six months. Uh, I've seen our meetings develop from what processes are giving us pain to what products we need in our product line to now we've started evaluating those product needs and we have groups of stores reporting back of um, way wagons was something we did recently. We had a pilot of way wagons and is it going to be a profitable endeavor for our operation. Uh, we've got a couple other hot products that you know a store may find and start using and, and then this meeting is a way for them to share 
their sales, their profits, and uh, the ways that they went out and captured the customer uh, to do business. Again, assign responsibility when you leave that meeting. So really, I'll wrap it up with um, being able to accurately capture our performance in a financial statement was critical for us as an operation because we run off of numbers. We also reward performance off of those financial statements in the form of incentives. And our precision people who may have felt like they were being gypped out of money or gypped out of their incentive now feel like they're being rewarded with that incentive because they have an accurate statement reflecting the work that they've done throughout the year. And I've found that as we've cultivated this culture of collaboration, my team is constantly challenging the status quo. They're looking at selling to country clubs. What, what country club has a precision specialist on speed dial? Um, you know, what, what market are we not hitting that we can hit? And are we doing it in a way that we can spread our knowledge from one location to all locations and in the end, the whole company benefit from one person going out and exploring a new opportunity. We'll get back to the program shortly, but I did want to again take a moment and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for making this program possible. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Reflecting on Heather's comments, she noted several initiatives from open store meetings for anyone interested in knowing what was happening in precision and not gripe sessions to onboarding checklists that take the guesswork out in a big organization and the creation of regular reports to integrate precision into the entire operation. While some changes were straightforward, others took more time to establish operating procedures. As Heather noted, Owning the accuracy of the financial statements and bridging the gap between accounting and the precision department is a key responsibility of hers. An important milestone was the development of a summary report issued each month that provides store managers with talking points for their precision specialists. If nothing else, she says it forces a discussion between the manager and the specialist and opens dialogue with the two and provides ways to find some holes or celebrate some successes. Let's get back to the program now and hear from Scott Meldrum on the value and challenges of a servant leadership management style, juggling performance evaluation with consequences and measurement of department goals. People ask me what my job is, and I very plainly say I'm a cat herder, and you're going to hear three slides on my philosophy of getting that stray cat back in line because um, no two days are the same, so I don't think I can put a template on what we do. All right, so maximizing performance of, of our team um, consists of, uh, of three main topics. One of them is training. 
It's been said several times here that you need to know your products and what you're selling, that's true. But if all you know is that this display is gonna shut these rows off at this time, that's great, or, or the auto steer is gonna drive nice and straight, that's great. How does that affect the, guy, the farmer's bottom line? They've gotta know agronomy. Um, I stress with each one of my specialists that they need to know how to set a planter um, because you only get one chance to get it right, and that's with planting. And I'm sure it's probably a universal uh, thing out there that the, the precision specialist probably spends more time with the farmer, and they're probably the first one there when they start planting in the spring, and they're going to get asked, how do I set my planter? I make sure that all of my specialists know how to set a planter so we're not, uh, we're not screwing up that guy's entire year. It's also... Uh, not enough to just send them to the uh, manufacturer's training in the winter. Um, my guys all love going to, to Orlando, Florida every year, um, but they come back and I make them actually put the stuff into practice before they go to the field so they demonstrate proficiency. The next one, the maximizing performance, is uh, a philosophy I called servant leadership. Before I became the integrated solutions manager, I was an AMS specialist for four and a half years. So. Um, I know what they're doing. I've done it. I've lived it. I've been out in the field in the, in the springtime at 10, 11 o'clock at night. So um, I have walked in their shoes. So when they call me, um, they, they know that I know what they're talking about and the hardships they're facing. I say that I have to be there for my team. Um, and, and when I say that, it, it boils down to if they call, I answer. Because usually if they call me, they've exhausted their other means of, of support and they're really looking for, for, uh, for some guidance. And, uh, and usually they're calling me on, a, like you said, a Saturday night or even a Sunday, and, and they're, they're really wanting to take care of the customer and they're struggling, so they're gonna call me. Another item that I, uh, I think that real, the precision departments really get overlooked on is they don't get thanked. Um, I saw up there necessary evil. I agree, I hate that term. <laughs> if you don't want us to be around, we'll leave and good luck it's gonna be a struggle. So managers, if I can give you one piece of advice, is every time you talk to one of your, your specialists, they call you for something, end that conversation by telling them thank you. Um, I've done that and, and my, my specialist may be really crabby, having a bad day or whatever, but if you tell them thank you at the end, their, their mood kind of picks up. That's something that I've done. It, it leads to them feeling very appreciated. I've also gone to uh, using kind of a philosophy that is uh, praise them in public, but discipline in private. Nothing is worse than being called out in a situation for something that you uh, did not intend to mess up. So um, if they do something right, believe me, I sing the praises. If we have an issue or something didn't go as planned, um, we talk about that in private, not in a, not in a public setting. I also have started writing a probably about a bi-monthly article for our, our company-wide newsletter because, as Heather alluded to, a lot of people in the dealership don't know what these guys do. You never, when you never see them, and if you do, they're just sitting there at their computer. So I, I try writing a, uh, a, uh, an article to call out what these guys are doing because they are out in the field 90% of the time. Let's take a minute to talk about collaboration. I broke it down into two two types of collaboration, external and internal. So external, um, I think this is a great event because it speaks directly to it. I put it plain and simply, play nice with those around you because whether you're a green dealer or a red dealer or uh, a colorblind dealer, 
um, there's going to come a day when you might need to ask a favor. Case in point, I had to, uh, I had, I had a grower who wanted to buy crop insurance from me. The kicker is he had a green tractor, a blue planter, and a red combine. And I had to figure out how to make all that data work. And I knew nothing about a Pro 700 monitor. But I had made, I had made nice with the, uh, with the case dealer down the road, and he was more than happy to help me. And, and we got through it, and uh, we've reciprocated the, uh, the, the relationship back and forth. Internal collaboration, one of the big things is that the precision department is probably one of the only departments in the dealership that works with every other department. You're going to work with service. You're going to work with parts. You're going to work with sales. You're going to work with accounting. I really work with my team to, so they understand uh, how we relate to the other, the other departments. When you get a purchase order from parts, how much are they going to mark it up? Parts is famous for marking up our stuff, okay? So you better know how much they're going to mark it up so when you quote the customer, they're not shocked to find out that, oh, they marked it up 40%. That never happens, does it? The other thing I do is I make, make sure that we make ourselves available to our parts department because in the John Deere world, if you order through Whole Goods, it's a PF90 number, and if you order it through parts, it's a PF80 number, and it's the same stinking part. So I make sure that if someone comes in and, and, and gives them a part number, oh my gosh, that's not what's in my screen, it's the same part. Um, I also help them provide resources so they can look it up so that uh, we don't have to say, wait a minute, let me call the, the AMS specialist. Let's, let's take care of that customer right there at the parts counter. The last one I'm going to go to is... Um, uh, accountability. I really hate using the term accountability because accountability has a, uh, a nasty uh, reputation of meaning you did something wrong. I'm a firm believer that you can be held accountable for something positive. I like to use the term ownership. So I'm going to set, set goals for my specialist because when I first started in this business almost eight years ago, I, I was given a cell phone, a vehicle, and a customer list and said, good luck, and at the end of the year, I got told whether I did good or bad. So I didn't know where I was going. It's kind of like the Alice in Wonderland thing. I didn't know where I was going. I just I knew I was going somewhere, and the phone was ringing. So I worked very hard with set attainable goals, or uh, challenging, but yet attainable goals for my guys. But I also make sure that I explain the why to my customer, or my, to my specialist. They need to know why I set the goal, how I got there, and what's expected of them. If they know that, and then I also update them, as we're going along, so they know where to, where to go. I call each one of my guys once a week. I don't do this during planting, I don't do it during harvest, but I call them once a week, and we talk about where they're at in relationship there to their, their short-term goals. Now, I've got goals that are 12 months in length, and I tell them, you're only gonna hear me talk about that once because each individual step that you have during the year can lead to that goal. So we meet with that um, and talk about it once a week on a regular basis to, uh, and then if something's not going right, we can, we can adjust our path. This is charge for your time on accountability. I was telling someone today, they asked how, uh, how my year ended up for my department, and I says, well, I was only $250,000 in the hole, and they looked at me like I had three heads. I says, but I was $600,000 in the hole last year, so I took it as a win. We started charging for our time, okay? And our customers are, are, are viewing us as as we're providing a, a service, such as the service department. Um, initially, when we started charging for our time, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. They grumbled. They thought that the precision was free because it was thrown in. 
But after a little while, they start, they, they get over that, and you've paid to earn this. So charge for your time, and how I track that is I use, I use Google, Google Drive. Um, one, it's free, but also it allows my specialists to use it on their iPads. They can enter their time where they were with someone, and I can immediately turn around and bill that out very quickly. Um, in the past, we ran into some struggles where we were, we were sending invoices out for planting um, work we did during planting season, just about the time we were firing up a combine. Um, try having that conversation with, with a grower. They're not really happy with it. Now I've, we've got to the point where the specialist may not hardly even be out of the field and we're already generating an invoice. Um, and it lets, lets you realize the income uh, when you perform the work. Um, the other thing that goes along with charging for your time is you got to do it right, okay? Um, in the springtime of the year, it's, it's extremely busy when you're planting. It's also very busy when you're harvesting. And I've, I've instituted or really preached uh, kind of a mantra. I want, I want my, uh, my, my, my guys to slow down to go faster. And what we mean by that is when the guys were up here talking about what they want from us, they want it done right the first time. So take a second, have them check to make sure that what they did was right everything is there, and then go on. You're gonna cover more people in a day because you're not gonna to have to go back to that first one that you didn't set up correctly. So slow down to go faster. Another thing that, I, uh, that I've kind of, I, I wanted to leave you guys with was you can hold individuals accountable and then you reward accountable individuals. I've got 11, 11, 11 specialists that work for me and they're all treated fair but not necessarily equal, okay? Everybody's treated fair, but not necessarily equal. And I think through that philosophy that I've, that I've worked out with my guys is that now I, I've had 11 specialists and over half of them have been there for going on six years. Um, I think that's unheard of to have people in this industry, in these positions um, for that length of time. And I think it, it, it speaks to, to taking care of your employees and, uh, and not running them into the ground, but also making them accountable. Thank you, Heather and Scott, for sharing your insights on improving collaboration and accountability within a precision department. And those listeners who would like to see more of their presentations mentioned during the program, please visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. Feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And I'd like to again recognize and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And another reminder to mark your calendar for the upcoming Dealership Mind Summit, August 1st and 2nd in Omaha. Again, the theme of this dealer-only event is Roadmap to Mastering Equipment Remarketing and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit www.dealershipmindsummit.com for more information and updates. You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership 
by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on July 5th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And be sure to continue looking for coverage of our 2017 Precision Farming Dealer Summit. For Heather Hardy, Scott Meldrum, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.